Hello and welcome to the Intrafish Podcast, the end of the year edition. We've got Rachel Mutter in Kuala Lumpur, we have John Evans in Brazil, and we have Dominic Welling and Lola Navarro in London, and we have myself and John Fiorillo here in Seattle. So we're expecting a big extravaganza looking back at 2018 and maybe giving you some ideas for what's going to happen next year. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hello. Hello. All right. So let's dive in. Uh, we've had an incredibly busy year here. Uh, we've been all over the world. We've uh, covered all kinds of things. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, but, but John, you just got done breaking a couple pieces of news that I think actually are going to be um, some of the biggest of the year um, and some of the most important. So tell us a little bit about what Americans are doing uh, in terms of seafood consumption and what might happen next year. Well, the good news is they're eating more seafood than they did last year. And we're now back up to 16 pounds per person, which we haven't seen since 2009 so that was good um uh, the numbers are from 217 or 2017 because we're always behind a year but the 2017 number was up 7.4 percent from the year before so that's significant that's a good jump uh as the species go the top 10 list you know it stayed relatively the same but we saw, uh, again, a nice jump in shrimp consumption, um, a jump in salmon. And uh, uh, canned tuna stayed the same. Tilapia fell a little bit, and so did Pollock. But overall, uh, you know, really good news. And looking at the import numbers going on for 2018, which are a really good indicator of where those, where that consumption number might be next year when we report it, um, it looks like it could be another strong year. So hopefully we're on a, we're on a good curve here and I would love to see us get into the 17 pounds per person range at some point, but you know, I don't have that many years left, so we better get, better get going. Yeah, well, that's morbid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, um, I think there was new reports coming out about how uh, Americans' lifespans are getting shorter. Uh, so maybe this is going to help out a little bit, you know. Maybe if they eat more seafood, they might live a little bit longer. So, um, yeah, so I thought that was uh, that was pretty, pretty good news and a really nice way to end the year for sure. So is there any sense, John, at all, or do you have any theories about what's driving this? I mean, we have the, the numbers in terms of pounds, but is there any change you think in, in how people are selling seafood or, or any, any trends that might be pushing those numbers up? Well, I, I think the value-adding trend is really what's – driving a lot of this when you go to the grocery stores now you see you see a lot of portions and seafood presented in ways that if you're just a single person or just say a, a couple you can you know you can grab a nice piece of seafood and be on your way and add it to whatever recipe you want to as opposed to having to go to the fresh case and go through all, all that you know deal with the person behind the case and not knowing how much to buy and all that. So I think in a very broad way, it's value adding and new ways of presenting um, seafood, especially at retail. Yeah, that skin pack is just huge. And I know, 
I know you guys in Europe have, have had it for a long time, but in the U.S. it just it, it just hasn't been around, and now it's just everywhere. And it seems like that's kind of catching on and that consumers are, are liking to see their fish and liking to see it look good. And like you said, John, liking to know um, how much they need to, to feed their uh, feed their family or, or eat dinner that night. So, um, Okay, speaking of massive uh, seafood consumption, Rachel, it's late over there. Perhaps you have a glass of wine and can wax philosophical <laughs> about I wish, China. I wish I had a glass of wine. But uh, no, I don't. I have yeah. a cup of tea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, it's sort of ironic to me that uh, U.S. seafood consumption is, um, is going up uh, probably just at the moment that it's going to start struggling, I think, to get, to get enough seafood. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what's been really interesting this year for me to see is a massive switch um, in China. Uh, obviously, China became like a net importer of seafood, you know, a few years back, maybe five, five years ago now, I think. Um, and people then obviously were murmuring about what this was going to do to seafood supplies and, and, uh, and other markets elsewhere, how that was going to affect them. But I think until this year, um, the full effect of that wasn't really anticipated um we obviously saw uh china sort of stepping into into chilean salmon production this year which i think took a lot of people by surprise um and i think this is where the big shift is i think it's always been assumed that although china is a is a massive market that it's a market that wants different seafood um from the other big markets in the world from from the us from europe um, but I think what we've been showing this year is that actually Chinese consumers um, want more and more the same seafood that is that is wanted in the US and in Europe. Um, and that is salmon, that is uh, high quality traceable shrimp. Um, you know, and suddenly they have the logistics in place to do it. They have all this these e-commerce platforms. Um, they they have more money than ever before and they have more awareness of of sustainability and food safety. And I think, yeah, I think what we've seen this year is the beginning of something that's really going to change the seafood industry. And I think next year we're just going to see more and more of that. Um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see how people react to that next year. Um, tariffs are going to come into play with that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's been really interesting, a really interesting shift. And, uh, yeah, definitely one to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when we were wandering around Qingdao, both on the show floor and then um, we took a look at uh, a couple supermarkets, too. And I have to admit how ignorant I am about how Chinese are consuming seafood, but it, it just takes stepping into, uh, you know, a retailer or, you know, stepping into uh, fast food chains or hot pot chains like we did at Heidi Lao, for example. And you can see that... Um, yeah, as you said, the kinds of seafood that Chinese consumers want is, I think, far more sophisticated than um, an ignorant Westerner like me thinks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think when China, I mean, I think some of that supply will come from from uh, from other countries, obviously from from Chile and, and wherever else. Um, but obviously, we're also seeing Chinese production changing slightly with with. RIS systems developing. Um, there's been more and more stories this year about big uh, Chinese aquaculture projects um, to grow salmon and other sort of higher value species. So it is going to be supplying, 
itself to an extent, but this is, we can't <laughs> underplay how big a market this is. Um, so yeah, it's not all going to come from China, especially not in the, in the next five, five to 10 years. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Well, Rachel, you happen to be British and we have two other Brits on the line and I, we have a limited amount of time. Oh, don't do it. We have a don't limited amount of time. <laughs> don't say the word. But regardless of your protestations, Brexit. And I know that we could talk about it for an entire podcast, and we should, and we're planning to. If things weren't changing every single day, we would be able to do one. And we actually had one planned, and we canceled it because of Theresa May and all the chaos that she's... Uh, well, I don't want to say causing, but the chaos that she's she's in the middle of. So, um, Dominic, why don't we start with you and get your thoughts on Brexit and what it might mean for the seafood industry going into 2019? Um, well, thanks for starting. Yeah, with you me can do that on this. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, Brexit. Uh, what does it mean? Well, no one knows because no one knows what is going to happen yet. Uh, whether there's going to be a deal, whether there's not going to be a deal, whether it's even going to happen at all. So it's very hard to say, but there are, uh, from what we've, uh, from some documents that have been released um, lately, there have been some issues of contention that affect the seafood industry, namely those around uh, fishing quotas um, and free trade agreements. Um, at the moment, it seems those two things are going to be linked. <clears throat> Um, which is is not what is wanted by uh, many in the in the industry. So, um, but that seems to be the main thing. Um, but yeah, like I say, no one really knows what is happening at the moment. She's still she's on her way to Brussels, I think, as we speak to renegotiate her unnegotiable uh, deal. So uh, yeah, that's how things stand at the moment. No one knows. It's hard to say really because until something happens, it's just it's just stupid guessing at the moment. So, uh, John Evans, you've done some coverage of it too. Um, any any thoughts to follow on with with uh, Dominic and and what we might see um, in 2019? Um, yeah, 2019, 2020, 21, two, three, four, five, six, seven, even um, <laughs> if you like. When it comes to the free uh, trade agreement, because that's. Uh, well, I mean, one of the, um, the the stumbling blocks in uh, in, in process in in uh, in the Parliament in Westminster at the moment is the over the Irish border. And uh, although what you might ask, what has that got to do with fish and fisheries? Well, um, to, um, to to sort of nail down the agreement and get full agreement. Um, the, uh, the EU has agreed a, a, a transition period with the UK and a customs territory if they haven't actually um, agreed a, a free tra trade agreement will come into effect, the, the so-called backstop. But that is not actually the, the fisheries part of that, is, uh, or the fisheries industry and aquaculture industry is not included in that. So um, it's likely to be used as a bargaining chip. So uh, as I said, it could drag, drag on and on and on, given... What we've seen even before uh, Brexit became a thing uh, in terms of um, uh, uh, negotiations and hard bargaining over, over fishing. So it, it's it's very complicated and there's lots of different players involved. Um, and the French uh, particularly, uh, are, you know, we, had, we saw in the summer that the, 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 the scallop wars 
so-called scallop wars and what kind of effect that had. That was just a small thing, really, uh, comparatively speaking. So, yeah, I mean, it's just very, very um, deep and very complicated. And as I say, it could drag on for a long time. So, Rachel, you don't want to talk about it, I guess. I really don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. Um, okay. Th- this year saw a massive amount of M&As. We're putting together our year-end uh, M&A wrap-up right now. Here's a short list. I'm going to run through it, and it, it, I had to be reminded of it, and I'm sure you would too. This is back through about July, okay? Are you ready? Uh, Cook, close to Seajoy, Sea Harvest and Viking, Premiera and Grobes, Anova and Seafood Connection, HB Grandi and Ogrevik, Pescanova and Ecuadorian Shrimp, ISI and Solo, Agrosuper and Aquachile, Joivio and Astralis, Tassal and Fortune Group, Bonamar and IMS, Angulus Aguinaga bought some octopus firm. Um, again, that's through about July. So, um, I guess the biggest one, if I were to, well, there's a couple. If we go back, I would say that that PNP acquiring Deutsche Say was was definitely up there as one of the biggest. But I think the biggest surprise and the one with the most impact would be uh, Joy Vio, uh, subsidiary of Legend Holdings, Chinese giant, acquiring Astralis. And well, let's go to you, uh, um, Lola, and 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 look at. Just kind of what that means and what that might mean for the for the future. Well, uh, yeah, you mentioned the JVO one uh, acquiring Australis and and well, Agro Super acquiring Aquachile. But before that, uh, Aquachile had acquired Salmones Magallanes and <clears throat> and Los Fiordos had acquired or uh, or acquired uh, Agro Super had acquired um, Salmones Frio Sur. So this. Uh, the Joivio one is the biggest one, like you're saying, or the one that's going to have the, the 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 biggest impact on a global level. But the whole thing, the whole uh, M&A activity in Chile, is just it's just a it's just a sign of how things have changed. Like things in Chile prior to the algal bloom of 2016, where well, it was it was a very very negative situation. All the companies were losing a lot of money. Nobody knew what some company in Chile was was worth. Um, there was huge uncertainty over regulations, and now all of a sudden, I mean, we cannot say that the algae bloom was something positive, or we cannot say that from a biological point of view. But it seems like it saved the industry by uh, raising prices of salmon, and then after that, the industry has been able to consolidate, to invest uh, in new technologies. To pay more attention to to <clears throat> to development and not so much to stock in and, and how to make how to make it through the next quarter, let's say. So I think I think it's a I, I don't know what the what the acquisition of Australia is gonna bring, but I think this this activity, the so many acquisition, acquisitions in Chile are showing interest and are showing that the industry has actually recovered. And, and finally, the, the Chilean uh, salmon executives know what they have. They know what their actives are worth, or, or their assets are worth. And I think I think it's it's a super interesting development. And we were talking the other day, uh, precisely with some with some Chilean farm uh, salmon farmers. And they were saying, yeah, we we didn't know what we were going to do next month. It was like all companies were losing money. The last valuation of a company had been Aqua Chile. <clears throat> When when they wanted to sell to Marine Harvest, but then that 
that fell through. Then the ice virus came, and and it was pretty much impossible to to know how much it was worth if it was worth anything. And then they were saying, of course, we we kept going. Our banks kept trusting us because because all we have is the salmon. Like the plants are not worth anything. The, the cages themselves are not worth anything. So anything we have is the salmon, and and that's our asset. And then banks needed to keep financing us just because. Uh, well, stopping financing us would mean that we will stop farming and then we will lose everything that we had. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, it was. They were very uncertain. They didn't know what to do next. They didn't know how things were gonna were gonna play out. And to have finally interest from investors, to have other, uh, well, uh, <clears throat> other companies or other groups from other countries looking into the industry and seeing how this is gonna grow. And, and especially having someone from somebody from China, like Rachel said, the Chinese uh, consumption is just going to increase, and much of it is going to come from Chile. Well, that that shows that there has been a massive <clears throat> change in the in the Chilean salmon industry, and I think this shows that, uh, well, um, well, well, the money they started they started to make after the algal bloom, they they have been able to invest more, they have been able to focus on on growth. And and obviously they got the regulations not well. They need to change still a bit more, but they it's not so uncertain anymore. They know what's happening with regulation now. It seems to be working for for a couple of years. And and if you talk to anybody in Norway, analysts and and other and other farmers, they they all know that um, <clears throat> it's a w- much more reliable sector nowadays than it was I don't know a couple of years ago. Or three years ago, so I think it's been very interesting, and I think it's it's a big sign of how well companies are doing and 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 how much the industry is recovering. Well, meanwhile, uh, Norway had an interesting year too. Uh, Dominic, you you were firsthand there for uh, the uh, the movie Maui uh, name change, which I think was <laughs> one of the the biggest things. Um, definitely one of the most read stories for for the year. Um, so apart from that, uh, what else happened in Norway this year that you think was, uh, was, uh, um, was, uh, was interesting? Um, I, that was probably the most interesting thing of the, I can think of off the top of my head. Um, salmon prices were still doing their thing. Um, but yeah, I think that's got to be the biggest thing, isn't it? In Norway over the year, the, the movie, can you think of anything, anything else? No, I think that was, like you said, I think it was another fantastic year for Norwegian salmon farmers. Uh, and I think the, the big surprise is that um, consumers seem to be willing to absorb these prices. They, they, they seem to not be turning away from, uh, from farm, farm salmon uh, with, with these increases. Um, one interesting thing, I think, and in a, in a former podcast, if any of our listeners want to go um, – go to this it's it's really really useful um i talked to my colleagues jorg greenheim and camilla odland about the norwegian development licenses um and there have been now the process of applying and rejecting which there's a lot of there is a lot of dominic you mentioned this the other day there's a lot of them mm-hmm. um but these some of these ideas are, are just too fun and they're too wacky um and and some of them are, are really going um they're getting really creative with the name Aquatraz is my favorite. 
and I think that that shows uh, that shows some intense creativity. But they're not all insane. They, they, some of these are really, really great ideas, and even the ones that are going to get rejected, um, you know, they're being backed by big, big companies. So yeah. if anything, it's a learning process. Yeah, and they're appealing these rejections now. Yeah, That's what they've they've started to do that because of the way they're assessed. People aren't necessarily very happy with um, that's the sort of next stage, I think. Because some of them are good ideas, but they don't fill the criteria uh, currently in the way they're being assessed, which I think people are unhappy about. And that's why they're appealing these decisions. So yeah, that is, that's that's another big development. Land-based salmon as well is obviously um, another major thing going on at the moment and seems to be ramping up. I think we had a, a story uh, recently by Anders on, on sort of how many um, land-based farms are expected in the coming years in, in Norway, or uh, how much salmon is going to be produced on land. So, um, yeah, that was another thing of this year as well. Yeah I, think it was, yeah, I think it was 10% is, is what they, yeah, if those all came online, which yeah. they won't. But, um, but anyway, you know, I, I, I applaud the, the Norwegian sector for being... Um, being bold in, in thinking about some of these uh, fresh ideas because this is how we're going to see innovation is by people um, doing uh, doing innovative things and, and taking some risks. So, um, yeah. Uh, all right, let's shift gears and talk about Pollock um, and talk about uh, Salmon um, moving back to the States. Um, so there's no way, um, John, I know is, as much as Brexit uh, confounds uh, the Brits, I know that, that Trump uh, confounds you. Um, tell us a bit about what happened with uh, the tariffs uh, and what we might see in 2019 um, if, uh, if the president is able to extricate him from all his legal troubles. Yeah, I think the 2019 question is the one on everybody's mind right now because uh, recently uh, President Trump and uh, Chinese minister had a meeting, Chinese president had a meeting, and apparently, if you believe our president, a deal was struck, um, but that doesn't seem to be completely true. So it's unclear, and the reason it's important is because these duties uh, are set to ramp up to 25% uh, in a, what, two weeks, three weeks. So, uh, you know, it's it's just very unsure right now, very unclear what's going to happen, whether there will be some, you know, solution that, that stops us or not. But um, that's, that's kind of where everybody's looking at the moment. So, all right, and, and that just seems like a wait and see. I mean, it, it looked like lobster folks were expecting some, some major hits, and there was changes. Um, but, you know, in general, it, it seems like people are able to find new markets or were able to find new markets in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in Maine. They were, they were able to, to, to find buyers for their products. So that, that's good news. Yeah, the 10% seemed to be absorbed, if you will, um, somewhat. And, uh, but I don't know about the 25 people seem a lot more concerned about how they'll navigate a 25% tariff. So, uh, we'll see, but you know, it's, it's not super good for seafood trade. Yeah. 
So uh, let's talk about Alaska Pollock and quotas were just announced. Um, and, and I think probably the big news in 2018, I think it was kind of the year that Alaska Pollock really realized, hey, we can do more with our, our product. So I tip my hat to, to Trident. Um, uh, uh, Joe Bundren, the CEO there, was named our person of the year. Um, and we did that because they really were, were leading the way and have been leading the way on producing value-added items. And again, I think that willingness to take some risks with products, is, is uh, that's commendable. And I think a lot of people now, you see them, seeing them follow that and really openly saying, well, we want to do what Trident is doing. Russian Fisheries has, has said that. Uh, they're doing value-added items. So you're seeing more and more that people are realizing that um, pollock can be more than just a, a commodity a commodity fish. So um, I, I think that was a that was a, a, a big, big trend that we saw um, that we saw this year. Um, and moving on just quickly to the to the US and, and wild and farm salmon, um, just uh, Copper River was a huge, huge uh, bust this year, so that had a major impact on the, the salmon market. Um, John and, and we we should mention uh, the Washington State salmon uh, escape and the and the ban um, that sort of dragged on and continues to um, to to impact um, you know impact the way uh, people around the world are feeling about salmon farming. In fact, you know I think it's sort of spurred or given encouragement to opponents that um, if they make enough noise, they might be able to keep uh, salmon farming out of their backyard. But that that was that was huge. Uh, it shut down an entire industry. Yeah, it effectively put a company out of business and shut down an entire industry. Or didn't put them out of business. I mean, put them out of business in the states where they were operating those 13 farms or however many there are. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was really surprising to see that happen as quickly and as dramatically as it, it happened. But, um, I don't know whether it gave new energy to opposition in BC and other places, but it certainly feels like it did. And I think the industry is doing a good job of reacting to this. You did a column on, um, uh, Scottish salmon and it's, um, recent report about the changes that need to be done. And, you know, they're, they're comprehensive and they're right on, right on the mark, but the industry is supportive of them and has, you know, is tacked them as they go along. So the proactive approach seems to be the approach that will win in the end, but yeah, there's always opposition. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears just slightly to uh, shrimp. And Lola, I'm going to kick it over to you. Um, it was a it, it was quite a year, and definitely for Ecuador. The launch of the Sustainable Shrimp Partnership was very interesting. Um, you had a couple stories about uh, about oversupply, uh, and, and Dom, you covered it as well. So so jump in. Um, but it's an interesting year for shrimp. Um, tell us kind of what stood out for for you. Yeah, it was very interesting. Well, what you're uh, what you're saying that story came about uh, the, well around the Brussels show, and and that's when it hit the industry that uh, oversupply and, and low prices were just going to continue to happen uh, throughout the year, and everyone was like uh, enjoying very good a uh, biological uh, a very good biological situation. There were no diseases anywhere, and and well, shrimp. Uh, 
for what I understand, it's 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 a less risky um, business in the sense that uh, the, the farming cycles are very low uh, or very short, and then the <clears throat> and then it's not a high tech um, industry at least yet. So a lot of people kind of jumped on and shrimp uh, farming business, and and then suddenly we we got to the situation that we got uh, in the first quarter of the year. So that was a uh, that was very. <clears throat> devastating I think for the industry and it doesn't seem like anybody is, is going to be the one who says okay let's let's stop this also the, the the sector is so segmented and and it's and it's so difficult to put all farmers uh, or to have all farmers on the same page in terms of sustainability on how to how to make this a, a business that that's <clears throat> economically viable as well so yeah we had the or we saw the launch of the a sustainable shrimp partnership that was uh, led by the Ecuadorians and by the Camera Nacional de Aquacultura, and that's an amazing initiative. It took as a model, I think, uh, the GSI, which we know how successful it is and how how much it's helping the industry. But again, we've we've talked about this. It's going to be a long way before before other farmers and other countries get on board with this initiative. And, and the situation, well, they, they, they are able to implement any any standards in in <clears throat> volumes uh, and, and all that. Also, a, a very big sign or a very good sign of how much this sector has to has to give and the potential that it has is the interest that, that uh, fit giants like Biomar and Scretin have, have in, in shrimp now. They have been, or they're very well established in salmon, and and this year it uh, <clears throat> it was very clear that they are shifting gears towards shrimp. I was in, in Norway earlier this year at the Scretin uh, show, and and it was very clear that all the efforts uh, are being put in shrimp at the moment. As I said, it's not a very high tech industry yet, and they have a lot to learn from salmon. So I think that's where the investment is going to come. But again. Is there going to be an oversupply of, of feed shrimp, or, or we don't we don't know any of that. The the, the industry is promising, but uh, there needs to be some more control. It was very clear this year. Companies even made a lot of losses in in the different countries. Were fearing that some companies will have to <clears throat> to either merge or something just because they were not going to be able to to get through the the low price uh, period. So. I don't think it's ended yet. I think the situation is a bit better with a seasonal demand, uh, but we need to see how that how that continues to be next year because there are also, like you know, there are land-based shrimp projects that's also going to add up to the to the supply situation. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see when this Christmas uh, season ends, how the how the demand is going to react and. And if they if they have to <clears throat> face again the low prices that they had to face to deal with at the beginning of this year, so it's going to be interesting there as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know one thing that we haven't really uh, seen yet is any kind of massive uh, consolidation of the sector. I mean, you know, Thai Union and and CP Foods and and those companies have, uh, of course, done that in their home countries, but we haven't seen. Um, the sector really moved from the fragmented individual farmer to um, you know to more uh, industrial vertically integrated um, uh, farms that we've seen in, in salmon for example so you know the the idea of a big major uh, shrimp farmers like you would see with marine harvest that that's going to come and I think 
um, seeing Biomar Skredding uh, and, and uh, um, uh, Cargill get into shrimp more, like you said, Lola, that's what they want to talk about. And if the shrimp companies start, or sorry, the feed companies start um, focusing on a sector, it, it naturally follows that that it's going to, um, you know, it's going to consolidate and that there'll be um, some some more uh, activity there. So, um, well, just just moving around, um, you know, let's let's start looking ahead um, and and uh, talking about what trends we might see. So let's just go around a circle. We'll start with you, Rachel. Um, as you're uh, sitting there by your uh, hearth in the 35-degree uh, <laughs> sunshine and yeah. monsoon or whatever no, it is that you deal no, with. No hearth necessary in Malaysia. Yeah, no. Um, next year, I think next year is going to be really interesting. I think um, some of the things that I'm looking out for are what's going to happen in India. We were just talking about shrimp there and the and the Indian industry was sort of at the beginning of the year um very bullish on where it was going there were a lot of companies who were planning IPOs well a lot there were there were three or four companies planning IPOs um and that's all been put on hold because of because of prices and and oversupply and whatnot but um but there is feeling from from Indian companies I speak to that there's going to be an upturn next year for India again um, and that because it's sort of come to the party a bit a bit later on uh, than other producers, that it's that it might bypass some of the issues that that other producing countries have had in terms of disease and disease and whatnot. So we'll see. But I think India will be interesting to watch next year. Um, briefly, other things: climate change. I think we're going to be seeing yeah. more and more stories about climate change. Uh, we've seen a few this year. Um, but a notable increase, and I think we're going to really see that impacting people's financials, um, supplies, etc. Um, and I guess digitalization too is something that we should all be keeping an eye on. A couple of the, couple of the Outlook interviews I did recently um, with some feed comp- some of the big feed companies, they all mentioned digitalization as something that was on their, on their minds for next year. Um, and there's certainly been some some action in terms of sort of blockchain traceability systems for, from retailers and stuff like that. So I think that's going to increase next year too. Yeah. All right. I think Rachel stole all of the ideas. No, not all the ideas. Oh. <laughs> what, are, what are you, I mean, when you're looking at your coverage and what you want to do, uh, Rachel, next year, I mean, what, what are you looking forward to digging into in 2019? I am looking forward to getting to know the Chinese industry a bit better. Um, we we've started to get to grips with that a bit more now. Um, and I think as things are changing and these companies are becoming more and more, uh, internationally focused and outward looking, um, I think we're going to be doing a better and better job on that. So that's, that's one of my big focuses. Um, yeah. And Asia region in general, I guess. So, um, switching down to, to you, John, uh, same question. Uh, this is the John down in Brazil. Same question. Um, what do you see as kind of the, the big, trends that we might see in the seafood sector and uh, what are you looking forward to covering more? Yeah, um, looking for a continuation really in Brazil of the uh, double digit growth in the uh, tilapia industry. Um, just going back uh, a step uh, talking about the trunk tariffs, even uh, we reported uh, a few months ago that the, the tilapia industry in Brazil was hoping to take uh, advantage of that and, and, and uh, 
export uh, more fresh uh, tilapia to that, depending on on the outcome of the uh, the tariffs battle with China. So that'll be certainly something to look at. And also, we've got these continuing. Uh, trade ba uh, battles between uh, Brazil and uh, Ecuador over shrimp, uh, we just mentioned shrimp, and also between Honduras and Mexico. There's a lot of parallels between the, the two stories in that uh, Brazil seems to use uh, uh, sanitary measures to keep out Ecuadorian shrimp and uh, Mexico sort of employing the same kind of mechanisms to keep out um, Honduran shrimp. So. Yeah, that, uh, that kind of thing, uh, those kind of things uh, particularly. And, um, yeah, just, just sort of uh, trying to expand the coverage as much as possible down here in uh, South America of as many different things as possible, uh, as well as other markets, of course. Great. Uh, Dominic, your crystal ball, what are you seeing? Um, well, it's kind of already been mentioned, but I think um, all sorts of land-based projects is going to be uh, a big thing next year uh, development of offshore agriculture as well um, I think consolidation is always a theme but it's going to ramp up a little bit more as well and I think it'll be um, interesting to see whether this this sort of trend of salmon farmers entering white fish and white fish players entering salmon whether that continues whether that's yeah uh, I think that might be might see more of that going forward next year as well all right, and then your dream coverage that you're looking forward to doing in, in 2019? Well, the dream is, well, technically it's not the dream at all, but Brexit um, is hopefully, <laughs> some something will happen next year, let's hope. Um, so it could, if something get, if something actually gets signed and sealed and, and done, it, it could get a bit more interesting. So it will be interesting to see how that, that develops, I think, next year. All right. Uh, Lola? Your thoughts on what's coming up in 2019? Yeah, um, well, like like John Evans said, like a continuation of what I've been following, I guess I I will continue to follow the the the, the Chilean industry as closely as I can. I think there is going to be more stories about acquisitions there. We've already been talking about the boom in the Magallanes region, which is a new one. There is two companies uh, starting operations next year. So that's going to be interesting. That's going <clears> to <throat> also, um, that's going to set the, the, the region, let's say, for the future, because that's more or less, um, well, that there is a limit now. No, no more companies can apply. So there is only a few a few uh, concessions to be given now. And, and so that's going to be interesting to follow. Uh, obviously, like I was saying, the, the, the shrimp market is going to be very interesting because of what you were saying. No, there hasn't been big consolidation yet, but, uh, but that seems to be the only way forward uh, when, yeah, when the big companies arrive and, and, and when the small companies cannot, cannot keep up with, with costs. So, uh, that's going to be uh, an interesting market to follow, and obviously, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the with the Ecuadorian um, initiative. And yeah, I think I think it's going to be an interesting year. A lot of investment, which is always very exciting. And and yeah, climate change is going to be challenging. I think more companies, like Rachel said, are going to be talking about it. And yeah, I think that's a uh, that's what I'm going to be focusing on. 
All right. Well, let's move to you, Mr. Fiorillo. What do you see? Uh, you know, you're lucky because you just did a column on this, so you've already got these trends right to right to hand. Yeah. Um, the the one that I am interested most in, or at least the one I'm seeing the most activity in, and it's been mentioned in parts already, but it's new technology and new in innovation, and it's cutting across the entire supply chain from farmers to the fishing side, all the way through the processing side, and even packaging uh, innovation um, and blockchain traceability that ends up on the consumer side in a sense. So there's, there's a lot of money going into so many different levels of technology and innovation and feed and uh, fishing vessels, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think it's fascinating. I think it is probably the most dynamic uh, trend um, in the next year uh, because it, like I said, it cuts across so many different sectors. Yeah. I, you know, I, I hate to repeat uh, what others have said, but I, I really do think that climate change is going to be big. It's hard to wrestle with the way that we cover it, um, to be honest, because it's, um, it's happening all the time and it's hitting so many different sectors. But I think this was a year where we began to see uh, companies – um, actually bringing it into their results. Um, uh, I believe it was Sanford, wasn't it, Rachel, that, um, that actually cited it as one of the, one of the issues, um, uh, affecting their, their earnings. Um, but, but I think, uh, I think things like algal blooms, I think the movement of fish, uh, you know, I think, uh, everything from, sea lice to, to nematodes. I mean, the, it's just going to cause massive, massive changes. And, and that's one of the things we're really going to look at. So um, hopefully the, the readers are, um, are, are going um, to get some insight from, from the work we do on it because it's, uh, it's a huge, huge issue. But I think um, we're going to be able to drill that down and, and bring it home for what it's going to mean for, for the industry. Um, you know, I'm going to highlight Alaska Pollock. Uh, I'm always looking forward to covering that because it's a sector that I, I, I love. Um, uh, Rachel Sapin, our reporter here in Seattle, um, she uh, was out late, so I don't know if she's going to be joining us in time for the podcast. Um, and she was out late because she was at the Etsy Processors uh, Association uh, holiday party, so I'm sure she picked up some interesting uh, trends and ideas and, and tips there. Um, but I think we're going to see uh, more uh, uh, prices firming up more in Alaska Pollock. I think the the movement of Russians into value added uh, products is, is going to make a, a difference. And I think you know this continued effort to invest in new products and innovation on the the part of of this uh, this sector is going to be huge. It's such a high volume of fish going across the world. There's no way that it's not going to have uh, massive impacts with the, um, with the moves, that they, uh, moves that they make. So that about wraps up our 2018 uh, podcast extravaganza. Um, I'll just uh, give a couple of plugs because it's going to be a, a really exciting year for us. We've got a whole host of events. Uh, Rachel is going to be spearheading women in seafood uh, during the uh, um, at the same time as the GSMC conference in San Diego. That's coming up in January. Uh, then we move into a Boston event, a Brussels event, 
uh, our New York City Investor Forum, which is always just an incredible event. Uh, dates have been set for that. Registration's open for that. Um, we have a Salmon Summit in Aquanor. Uh, and we have uh, another investor forum in, in London. So I have no idea how we're going to get all this done. But you know what? We pull it off. It's a fantastic team. Uh, we're going to be growing and have some new team members joining us in 2019, which is always exciting because that just helps us do a, a better job for the for the industry. So uh, thank you, everyone, for joining from all the different places. It's always hard to get us all together with the time zones. Um, but uh, but we'll... Uh, We'll keep working on our podcast. We appreciate all the feedback. Remember, uh, if you are listening on iTunes, give us a rating. Give us some feedback. That helps other people find us. And you can email us at editorial at intrafish.com if you have any tips, ideas, things we should be looking at. Let us know. All right, everyone. Well, that's it. Happy holidays. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next year. Bye. 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 Bye.